God's wanting to do something. I think God's wanting to shift something. And I don't know whether I'm meant to share this. God just dropped it in my heart a, a little while ago. I don't know if it was just for me or to share. But when I, when I was a brand new Christian, I'd only been a Christian about two months I was, at a, I was at a meeting, and, uh, and a guy just came walking straight up to me, and he says, I've got a word from God for you. This was, this was like 10 years ago, and God just brought it back. He said to me, he says, the Lord's going to use you like an archer with an arrow, and the Lord's going to point you at things, and he's going to fire you towards the target, and you're going to hit the target every single time when God's wanting to shift something, when God's wanting to do something, and I really feel it on my heart this morning that this word is a word not just for me, not just for you, but for this church, because God wants to shift something. He wants to move us. Now, how many know it's not all about me, it's all about him, and we need to hear from him him this morning. You don't want to hear from me. Don't hear from me. I'm, I'm hopeless. But if we hear from him, how many know things shift, things change. So we're going to pray right now. And I want you to pray and I want you to be expectant to hear from God this morning. See, sometimes we can just come in here, mate, I'm on fire. Sometimes we can just come in here and we're, oh, yeah, another message, how good's the pastor? But I, I, it's not about the pastor, it's about him. It's about what he's wanting to speak. It's about what he's wanting to do in your lives and other people's lives. So let's pray. So Father God, we thank you for Connect Church. We thank you for these people here right now. And Father, we thank you that you're about to do something new, something we haven't yet seen. And so Holy Spirit, I ask you this morning to come into this place. We give you this platform. We give you this atmosphere. We relinquish control. We give you our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to speak to us this morning. Speak with clarity. Bring revelation about what you're about about what you're wanting to do. So, Father, that we could get a hold of it and partner with you and come into all that you have for every single one of us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. Turn to the person next to you say, this is going to be good. It better be after that intro, eh? It's like, mate, this better be good. Oh, this is fizzy water. Even the water's anointed this morning. It's, it's, it's juggling and it's going, going on. All right, Jesus, it's always a good place to start a message, Jesus, come on, amen, Jesus. Jesus, during his ministry, he used two words, two words that literally changed people's lives, changed their destinies, changed their direction, and the truth is, probably changed the world as we know it today. Let me... Let me set the scene because we're going to have a look at these, have a look at these words. See, the scene was the Sea of Galilee. The sun was starting to come up over, over the hills as the dawn, the dawn was rising. And there was, a, there was a fishing boat heading across the lake, heading back towards the, the shore. And as it, as it was heading towards the shore, the fishermen on the boat were, were looking to where they were going and they could make out this figure that was walking along the shoreline. As they got closer and closer to the edge of the water, this figure that was walking along turned around and looked out to the boat. And he called out to them. 
he called out to them and he said, follow me. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, we don't know what the fishermen were thinking. I mean, you can, you can kind of look at it and go, mate, did he think he was some sort of a looney tune? You know, like, follow me. They've had a hard night's fishing. They're coming in and there's this dude wandering along going, follow me. For what? Follow him for what? And then he goes, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I mean, is he taking the mickey out of them? You know, is he making fun of them? You can't catch fish. Why don't you try catching men? I mean, what was going through their heads when they heard that call, that follow me? He says he's going to get thirsty. Follow me. See, and the truth is we, we don't actually know what they were thinking, but we know that there was something about that call. There was something about that invitation to follow me. There was something that resonated inside of those fishermen that day on that water. Because the Bible tells us when they got to the shore, they got out of the boat. They left all the fish behind. They left all the nets behind. They left everything they knew behind to follow this dude. A few hours later, a little bit further on, there's another boat. There's another two fishermen. There's another call, follow me. They get out of the boat and start following this guy as well. A week later, in the center of the town, there's a guy sitting there. No one likes him. Actually, everybody hates him, talks down to him, despises him. And out of the crowd comes this guy, comes up to this man everybody hates, whispers in his ear, follow me. Matthew, the tax collector, gets up and begins to follow Jesus. Life changed forever. See, there's people sitting in this auditorium right now. You've heard that call, follow me. You've heard that call. You've heard the voice of the Lord, follow me. Some of you sitting here today, maybe you've been hearing it for a while, but you haven't yet made the decision to begin following him. Some of you here today, I mean, it's quiet in here. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's your first time in church. You've never, ever heard his voice. But friend, I pray today you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it, and I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end to, to say yes and follow him. But you see, the million-dollar question is, like the fishermen were thinking on that day, what does it mean to follow him? What actually is it to follow over this man we know of as Jesus Christ, the Son of God who gave up his life for every single one of us? See, in the first century, when this was all going on, we didn't have Christians these guys that began following Jesus were known as, as followers of the way. They were followers of the way. But what was it to be a follower of the way? What was the way all about? Because if it was important to them back now, it probably needs to be important to us today if we'd call ourselves followers of Jesus. 
You know, Jesus' life was full and rich and, and, you know, we just got to open the Bible and it's just adventure after adventure, on and on and on. It's massive. But if we were to boil it all down, if we were to take all of Jesus' life, all of his exploits and bring it all down into a simple formula almost, if you like, if you could even do that, I reckon there's three things that Jesus pretty much did through his life. And we see it in Matthew 4, 23. It says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues. He did this. He, he gathered the people and he taught and he, and he shared from the scriptures. This was part of being a follower of Jesus. This was part of Jesus's life. But he also went, in, uh, went out preaching the good news of the kingdom. See, Jesus didn't just stay in here, friends. He, he went out there and he began to declare the kingdom of God is at hand. There is a God that loves you and cares for you and wants to be in relationship with you. It also says everyone that came to Jesus, everyone with a need, everyone with a problem, he would pray for them. People would be healed. They'd be set free. They'd be delivered from the things that they were in bondage. We see it again in Matthew 9.35. It says, Jesus went through all the towns. How many towns? All the towns. He went through all the towns. He went through all the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news. Everybody say good news. Preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. See, in essence, Jesus' life was about gathering the people together like we are today and teaching and looking at the scripture and the words. But friends, there's more to following Jesus than this because it was also about going out and declaring the kingdom of God is at hand. It was also meeting people in their place of need and believing and, and having faith and praying and seeing God do what only God can do in their lives. When I was um, quite a new Christian, a couple of months old. Hold on, let me go back. I'll go back. Matthew 9.36 says this. It says, talking about Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, there was a reason Jesus did what he did. He, he, he was concerned with all these people that didn't know God, these people that were harassed and helpless. Have a, have a look out in the world. You, you know people like that in your workplace. And Jesus had a heart and a compassion for those people. That's why he didn't just stay in the synagogue. That's why he went out into the marketplace because that's where those people hung out. Typically, they didn't hang out in here. They were hanging out out there. So he went out, moved with compassion. I was going to say, I, as, a, as a new Christian, <clears throat> it's a couple of months, I was meeting a friend down in Wellington for lunch one day, and um, uh, I was in the B&Z building when it was in the, in the middle of town there in the forecourt underneath. And I got there a little bit early, and I was, I was sitting down at this table waiting, waiting for my friend to arrive, and as I was sitting there, I, I sort of looked across, you know, a couple of tables over, and there were a group of people sitting there, and there was a, a young girl sitting there. She's probably about 15 or 16. She kind of wasn't really looking at me. She was kind of looking away. And, 
And as I looked at her, I was like, my God. I mean, this was beauty like you've never seen before. I, I literally sat there and thought, man, she looks like an angel. Like that's, that's how, how, how stunning she was. And I just sat there and I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And as I was looking, she began to lift her head up from looking down and began to look across. And the person with her picked up a spoon and began to feed her. She was physically disabled and she was clearly intellectually disabled. And, and as I looked at that, I don't know what happened, but something in me just shifted and I began to cry like a baby in the middle of the food court. I'm sitting there bawling my eyes out and there was an anger that began to rise up inside me, a holy anger about how can this be? How can this amazing, beautiful woman be so confined by this disability and this disease? And as a new Christian, you know, I'm sitting there going, man, I should go and pray for her, you know, and, and, and then everything goes through your head. Oh, yeah, but what if nothing happens? What if, and I did nothing. I did absolutely nothing. But my life was changed that day. God keeps bringing that back to me again and again and again. Why? Because God has a heart for those people out there, those people that are, that are distraught and caught up and in bondage and all that. That's why Jesus came. He came for the ones that are sick, not the healthy. Just saying. Just saying. But that's Jesus. That's Jesus' life. What about his followers? What about those fishermen that got out of that boat that day? What about Matthew, the tax collector? What, what did it mean for them to be a follower of Jesus? What did it mean for them to be followers of the way, if you like? This uh, chapter 9 in Luke we're going to have a look at that. Jesus sends out the 12. This is where Jesus says to all his disciples, basically he says this. He says, you guys, you've been hanging around with me long enough. You've seen it all. You've heard it all. You've watched me. Now go out there and do it. And I want to say, Connect Church, you've sat around here long enough. You've seen enough. You've been fed enough. Now let's just get out and do what Jesus has always told us to do. Amen. In love. Verse 9-1, it says this. It says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out. What did he do? He sent, Grace got it. He he sent them out. Yeah, oh, it's not on the street. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God. He's like, guys, just go and tell people the kingdom of God is here and to heal the sick. And guess what they did? They actually went out. They actually went out and started doing it. They went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. I've got a choice now. I'm, I'm confused which one I'll... Uh, healing everywhere that they went. That was his 12 disciples, his, you know, his tight crew. But it just wasn't those 12. We know, you, if you've read the Bible, you know it's not just the 12. He sends about 72 others out a little bit later on, 
and basically says to them the same thing. You've been hanging around here long enough. Now get out there and start doing what I, I, I'm here for you to do. In um, Luke 10.8, it says, it says of the 72, it says, When you enter a town and you're welcomed there, eat what's set before you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them that the kingdom of God is near. Tell them that the kingdom of God is near. So the, the, the 72, that's what they do. They just kind of go, oh, okay. Well, we'll just do what you told us to do then. And so they go out and they do what he told them to do. And amazing things start happening. In fact, we read later on, the 72 come back to Jesus. Hey, Jordan, good to see you, man. You're looking awesome. Nice top. So, um, so they, the, the 72, they come back. And they're high-fiving, man. They're skipping along. They're going, this is awesome. This is what they're high-fiving each other. And they, you can't shut them up. They're just talking, talking, talking. This happened and that happened. Did you say, I prayed for that person. And this happened. And those demons. And they're on fire, mate. They're, they're coming back. They're going, Jesus. Jesus, we went and did what you did. And all these amazing things are happening. And you know what? Jesus tells them off. He, he rebukes them. He puts his, oh, don't get excited about that. I'm like, mate, that's a bit rough. They just, they just go and do what you told them to do. They come back all excited because what you said would happen actually happened, and they're really excited about it. And he tells them off for being excited about it. You see, he says to them, don't be excited about the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the healings. Don't get excited about that. Get excited about the fact that your name is known in heaven. Get excited about the fact that you've been reconciled to God. That's what it's all about. See, why did he rebuke them? Why did he rebuke them about all the miracles and all the, all the amazing stuff that was going on? Because for him, for Jesus... That's his expectation. You see, that's just a byproduct for followers of Christ when they start to be obedient to what he's calling them to do and start to step out in faith. He says, don't get excited about that. That's nothing. It's just going to happen. As you begin to go and do what I've called you to do, that stuff's just going to come to pass. Don't get excited about that. It's not about that. It's about salvation. It's about sharing the good news. It's about telling people the kingdom of God is here. Hallelujah. Last, um, last week, we were up in Palmerston, had a regional meeting. It was awesome. Man, look at the time. It was awesome. And I, I caught up with some, some friends up there, Joel Miller, who's one of um, uh, Steve Hall's churches up there. Their, one of their ministries was they would, would go out into Massey University and, and share the gospel on the university. And, and that was going really well. You may have read in the paper about a year ago, they got trespassed. The university just basically said, no, we're not having you sharing good news in the university. We're not about that. No, that's, that's a different story. And, and, and then, so they trespassed them from the university. And so I said to Joel, I, I was like, mate, how's, how's it all going since, since that's been happening? And he goes, you know what? He says, what it's done is it's forced us to get out on the streets. Yeah. It's forced us to get out in the town and start sharing the good news around town. And he says, in the last 12 months, we have documented evidence of 100 miracles that have taken place since we started getting out and doing what Jesus told us to do. I reckon we can give him a better clap offering to that. 
That's what he's about. He's about the kingdom. Now, I know I'm laboring this, and I'm going to move on real quick. So turn to the person next to you and say, it's going to get quick. Keep up. Going to get quick. Keep up. All right. I'm laboring this because this is why. If I look at the church today, I think we're really, really good at doing the Sunday gathering. I think we're really, really good at gathering in the synagogue and doing the teaching. I'm awesome. Mate, this teaching is brilliant. You'll never get anything like it before. This is better than a movie. But, but we're really good at this. But how good are we? at getting out there and telling others, guess what? There's some good news. The kingdom of God's here. Okay, so three people are excited about that. You know, it's like we do the church thing well, but we ain't that good out there. All right. Lord, I need your help now. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to ask you this question. And you just listen to God. When was the last time you shared the good news with someone. When was the last time you prayed for somebody outside the church? When was the last time you had the privilege and honor of leading someone to Christ? See, for the followers of Jesus back then, that was, it was an everyday occurrence. They were, they were out every day. Sure, this was part of it. It was an important part of it. But more important than this was getting out there and telling people the kingdom of God is at hand. A friend of mine gave his heart to the Lord a couple of years ago. He was a heavy metler and all the rest of it. Had an encounter with God and gave his heart to the Lord. Great guy. A couple of months ago, his grandmother started to get really, really sick. And uh, so he thought, mate, I'll tell him about Jesus. So he, he decided to share the good news with his grandma. And, and she said to him, she says, man, I've, I've watched your life change over the, the last two years. There's, there's no doubting what's happening in you is true. And she says, yeah, I, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I, I want to come to Jesus. And he had the privilege of leading her to Christ. The amazing thing is that his mother was sitting in the back of the room that day listening to what was going on. And she said, son, I've got to tell you, she says, I've been ashamed to say it, but, but, but I want to come to know the Lord as well. And she gave her heart to the Lord at exactly the same time. He led his grandmother and his mother to the Lord in the same day. His grandma passed away yesterday. And I say that to say this. The good news is good news, but only if it gets there on time. See, if the good news is late, friend, it ain't good news, it's bad news. You see, and there's a time coming where we've got to get out and we've got to start telling people that there's some good news. Amen? All right. We're doing all right. Okay, we're going to race through this real quick. You don't have to go out alone. You can take a friend. Kellen will go with you. No, no you, have, you have the Holy Spirit. God's, God's pretty clever. He, he, there's a part when Jesus is talking to his disciples, going back to the followers, going back to the followers now, keep on track now. There is a part where Jesus is saying to his disciples, he goes, guys, I'm going away. You know, I'm, I'm going to get crucified, all that. You know the story. And I'm going to be taken back to, to heaven. They're a little bit, you know, upset about it. But he says, it's great news though, because guess what? I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Right. And he sends the Holy Spirit. And they're like, you know, this is awesome, Jesus. And so... You know how it goes. Uh, 
Sorry, I need to, I need to touch this. Acts 1.8. He says, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit for what reason? That you would be witnesses. That you would be witnesses about me. Witnesses give evidence about Jesus, all right? Just keep that away in the back of your mind. That's why you're here. So stay with me. The day finally comes. All right, the guys are in the upper room. They're all praying and all the rest of it. We know it is Pentecost. And, and there's, a, there's a wind and the, and the fire from heaven falls. Tongues of fire are on them and they're praying and tongues. And then they, and then they, I mean, it probably just gets so hot in there that they end up coming out onto the street. It just bursts out on the street. And you know how the scripture goes. Everybody's around and they're looking at what's all this commotion? What's going on? And of course, they think they've been having a few, a few drinks. They think they're drunk in the morning and Peter comes out and he goes there yeah, we're not drunk you know we're full of the Holy Ghost and so Peter is gonna he's gonna preach this amazing sermon you know he's just had this amazing count and I'm thinking mate it's gonna be good it's gonna be full of so much revelation and all the rest of it and Peter begins to preach and you know what he doesn't even come up with an original. He's ripped off some other dude's sermon. He, he hasn't, I mean, he's had this encounter with God and he steals another guy's sermon. He doesn't even preach his own thing. See, he stole Joel's sermon. Not Joel from Palmerston. Joel, Joel the, the Old Testament prophet. Peter, full of the Holy Ghost, first time to speak under the unction of the Holy Spirit and he uses an Old Testament prophet's words. And he says this, this is what Peter said. Oh man, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show you wonders in the heaven above, signs on the earth. And he goes on and on and on. I'm not gonna go into it. But to say this, it's a mixed bag, okay? There's some amazing stuff in it and some stuff that you're like, whoa, that's pretty, pretty nasty. So why? Why does Joel pro prophesy that? Why does Peter preach it? Why is that important to us? Because Peter had a revelation that we're into the last days. He had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. He had this unction that God's beginning to move with the Holy Spirit. He says, in the last days, some of these things are going to happen. Now, when Joel saw that prophecy, he didn't see it line after line after line. He just saw it all together. We don't know how it's going to play out. We don't know which part of the last days we're in, but there is a day coming that Joel says this. He speaks of a time when there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on people of every kind. Men, women, young, old, and like will see a move like they've never, ever seen before. He says, he tells us that things are going to get bleak. Bad news, sorry, going to happen. Things are going to get bleak. The love of many is going to grow cold. There's going to be terror. Hmm. There's going to be wars. Hmm. There's going to be refugees. There's going to be crisis. There's going to be persecution. Have you turned on the TV lately? Have you looked at the news lately? I reckon a lot of that stuff is beginning to happen. But Joel and Peter, 
go, but guess what? This is good news. Because when that starts to happen, God's going to move. God's going to start to pour out his spirit in a way that we haven't seen before. God's going to raise up an army of people that are going to walk in a new anointing. They're going to walk in a new promise. And they're going to be about the plans and purposes of God. Pretty good, eh? I think that day's coming. I think that day's coming. Hear this. The whole ministry of Jesus, the whole training of the disciples, the whole empowering and outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Peter was declaring was for one purpose and one purpose only. It was to enable and empower the followers of Jesus to go out and declare the kingdom of God is at hand. A couple of weeks ago, I was driving up to Levin. Doesn't it annoy you when God turns up at the most unopportune times? I had a hard week. I oh, was, man, I was tired. I'm driving up to Levin, just listening to my sounds, cruising along, just chilling. And then God turns up. I know you hate that. And he, and, he, and he just dropped this scripture right in front of me. It's like a visual movie playing. It's Acts 3, 1, 8. And it's, and it's that time where Peter and John, they're heading, they're going to church. They ain't in the church. They're heading to the temple. Remember, they're outside the church. They're heading to church. And as they get towards the church, there's a beggar outside the church. He's there every day, day in, day out. People carry him there. Been going on for years. And as they come towards church, this this beggar looks up at them. And he says to them, have you got any money? Can you give me some money? And the scripture says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. Grabbed the man by the hand and he stood and walked and began rejoicing and praising God for what he had done. As that movie played out in front of me, I just felt this unction they gave him the kingdom of God. You see, they were carriers of the kingdom of God. They were carriers of the presence of God. See, that man, like many men out there, many men and women out there are looking for something. They're looking for gold. They're looking for silver. They're looking for fame. They're looking for love. But they're looking for worldly stuff. And God's calling His people out into that marketplace out to where the lost and the hurting are. Why? Because you carry something. You carry something they need. You carry something God wants to give them. You carry the kingdom of God. You're called to go out. Bit of a hard word this morning, Pastor Neil. You're called to go out. And 
share that the kingdom of God is here. I, I was service leading a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but I went out, took some young guys out a couple of weeks back. We went down to Lower Heart. And God prompted me about this. God's stirring this. And so we went out and we just stepped out in faith and we went down there and we, we just began to pray for people and, and really just began to declare that the kingdom of God is hand. God loves you, cares about you, wants to be with you. We were in a movie theater, outside the movie theater, and a guy and I, we, we went up and as he began to talk to this guy, I literally felt the kingdom of God beginning to unfold in that place. Like he was talking and I'm like, whoa, something's happening. And when that happens, your faith goes through the roof, man, because you're like, man, God's here. God's here. And he, and he spoke to this guy and he says, have you, have you got any injuries, any pain, anything like that? The guy's like, yeah, I've got a sore shoulder. Long story short, my friend just prayed for him and instantly healed, all pain gone. I'm like, whoa. His wife, the guy that, that got healed, his wife's been watching. She's like, who are these dodgy guys talking to my, talking to my husband? She comes over and, and I began talking to her and I says, look, we're just Christians. You know, we're, we're out believing God's wanting to heal people and all the rest of it. Have, have you got any pain? She says, yeah. She says, I, I got pain in my back. She's like, I've had it for 10 years. She says, on a scale of one to 10, what, what, what's your pain level? She says, like, it's like an eight. I've been living in agony for years. I'm feeling pretty, feel pretty good now. I'm like, woohoo, God's moving. I says, well, there's a God that loves you. There's a God that cares about you. There's a God that wants to show you that he's real and he's alive. I'm gonna pray for you and God's gonna heal you. And I prayed for her and her eyes just went, whoa. I was like, is it, is it gone? Is it all gone? She's like, nah. I said, on a scale of you know one to 10, where is it now? She says, it's like a four. I'm like, we don't do fours in the kingdom. And I just prayed again and it completely went, completely healed it. The presence of God came in that place. She shared with me, she says, I've got two, she says, you don't understand, I've got two broken vertebrae. I'm like, God don't care, he just loves you. And then I started crying like a baby. (laughs) Because I just felt God's heart, God's heart for those people that are out there that are lost and hurting. God's calling us. You see, this is my thing. We're in here waiting for a move of God. We're in here praying for a move of God. And God's just sitting there waiting for His people to move. He's waiting for His people to move. See, God's already gone, friends. God's already moved. He's already doing a new thing. And His call to you today is the same call that it was to those fishermen thousands of years ago. Follow me. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So you've got to leave what you know. You've got to leave what's familiar and you've got to give it all to Jesus and begin to follow him into the new thing that he's doing. Billy Graham, awesome guy. He said this, it's never a question of how much you and I have of the spirit, but how much he has of us. It's how much He has hold of us. This morning, are you willing to surrender your will, what you're familiar with, what you know, are you willing to surrender that to God and allow Him to do something new? Allow Him to take you perhaps where you've never been before. 
going to move, but it ain't in here. It's out there. Would you bow your head?